Good evening, Patriots. And it is Sunday, December 11th. Man, I'll tell you, this is it's year 2022. I have to say that because any more time is going so fast. One of these days I'll be like, oh, it's 2022. And people will be like, no, no, it's like 2026. We are living in strange times. I'll tell you that right now. And it has been an interesting week. An interesting week indeed for us to all reflect on. Before we begin, Patriots, make sure that you're taking good care of your digital security. And to do that, you want to use StartMail. The protection of our privacy should be every American's right. But the government is watching. Big tech is selling our data and criminals are hacking our accounts. Everywhere you turn, we are losing our privacy. The most important step you can take is securing your email account. Consider the year's worth of emails and the information they hold about where you've been, who you've met, and what you're thinking. That's why I recommend Start Mail, a private email service that keeps your inbox safe and lets you enjoy secure, ad-free communication without surveillance. Every message can be encrypted, and when you delete an email, it's gone forever. Plus, get unlimited disposable email aliases to protect your identity. 
ditch the spy mail and get start mail. Right now, Bards FM listeners can save 50% on the first year. Go to startmail.com forward slash Bards. That's start mail with a T. Startmail.com forward slash Bards right now to save 50%. This is one of the most important things you can do is to secure your email communications. Again, startmail.com forward slash Bards to secure your email privacy and your personal security. That's startmail.com. Check it out. The links are always below the podcast. So just kind of a quick overview of this week before we get into some other more important stuff like God. But it is interesting as we've watched yet another drop on the Twitter files. And the equal press to ban TikTok. I find these two interesting. Um, They're trying to ban TikTok everywhere. And yet as they're banning TikTok, we're also discovering all sorts of amazing truths coming out on TikTok. And many of the people that are on TikTok are also echoing what's coming off of Twitter. So be aware that that's in the name of security and protecting your children and all of this, they're likely trying to protect themselves. That's the TikTok nonsense. But in Twitter, just some things to keep in mind. And it's real interesting when I look at this. There is, um, if you understand, I mean, I'm assuming people have a general understanding of how corporate structures work. And so I'm not going to make a presumption, but I'm just going to, map this out. Elon Musk, when he was, whoever is playing the avatar role of Elon Musk, and I am going to keep that, I'm going to come back to that in a second. Um, But the, the idea that Elon Musk went in and then single-handedly bought off Twitter, took over a majority share position was in a, a legal fight. If you remember with the board of directors just recently, and then all of a sudden all that went away, just like it vanished. And so Musk is out here doing a good thing. I'm not going to take that away. I mean, and that's where that, I don't know who, what we're dealing with, because we're not really seeing Elon. We're seeing an avatar in Twitter. Remember, as I've talked about so much over the last couple of years, one of the greatest tools of PSYOP was developed by DARPA. I've used it myself. And it was a tool to be able to manage like 25 to 100 accounts off of a single desktop. And in early Q drops, they gave a screenshot of that when they were talking about the 4 a.m. talking points that were coming out on Twitter. Somebody was managing all of these Twitter accounts to echo the same message. And it can be done. You can time tweets way ahead. Um, there's there's some tools, other tools around there now that do that. But this was, I, and I'm trying to, I'm honestly, I, I'm slipping on the name of it that it was, but it was a really, really powerful Tweet deck is another one, but this one particular one was designed specifically for doing PSYOP work. And you can manage multiple accounts, not only on Twitter, but across the entire spectrum of social media. So I say all that because we become accustomed to associating a person with a tweet. So if Elon Musk is tweeting, we assume that it's Elon Musk. And that's the whole idea of the PSYOP. I've proven many times when I was on Twitter that that was happening. When we ended up with the George Floyd incident, it, I had the tweets at that point showing that there were actual, that somebody was managing congressmen's uh, t- Twitter accounts, blue checks all over the place were being managed by one central agency because the same spelling error was occurring. 
over multiple accounts as one example. So whoever Elon is or whatever it is, there's just some anomalies to keep in point here. We're seeing a really important point here in our history of the inside of a company's discussions being shown to the public. Historically, I don't think that's ever been done. So from a standpoint of a purchased or even hostile takeover, that's unprecedented. The liability on that is potentially off the chain, especially with stockholder investor relations. And you're not hearing any rebuke or vocal protest from the stockholders, the shareholders, which is unprecedented. Shareholders are also typically held, shares are typically held by a hedge fund. Many of them are. Or some sort of stock investment fund. They're not hearing any protest on that from Wall Street, which is unusual. Uh, more than unusual, it's unprecedented. You're not hearing any rebuke by the board of directors. You're also not hearing any threats of lawsuits from those that have, have apparently been removed from Twitter. And again, very unusual. Um, I am going to, I just do want to draw your attention to one tweet that was put out today. There was something I talked about almost three years ago on Twitter. And one of the reasons I laugh, because it's part of the reason I know for a fact I was banned for life on Twitter, because I was always telling Jack he was a pedophile. But this post today, which it was shown, it's a copy of an old post, and it was it came up in Azazel's news account on Telegram, and it was this. Imagine how people will react when they learn at Jack on Twitter set up long string hashtags that, when combined with being a user in certain private lists, unhides real-time child rape galleries and human trafficking markets. Again, unhides real-time real child rape galleries and human trafficking markets. That is what Twitter was doing. And I think it's going to be one of those things that we literally are going to have to come to grips with. And, and this is going to lead us into tonight's discussion. Um, the horrors that people are being prepped to receive, I think, are significant. And I, I'm really, at this point, we are seeing a pretty significant dumping of information at a fairly rapid pace. There was a really good visual meme put up today by Vincent Kennedy's account on Telegram. And the picture was somebody had posted a, a roller coaster with a super high mountain climb on it and then a sudden real steep drop. And they put an arrow that said that the, showing that the roller coaster as it peaked the top, it crested the top and was about ready to fall down that deep incline. They said, we are here. And Vincent Kennedy crossed that out and reposted it and showed that we are down at the bottom of the climb. I totally agree with that. Anybody thinking that we're near the peak is missing what's really going on here. We are just being prepped for this amazing revelations that are going to be coming out. And this is going to lead a, a lot of people to a breaking point. So this leads me to just an interesting discussion in all, which is, as I like to do on Sunday nights, just kind of share with you my walk with Jesus and kind of reflect on some things that have been going on. And 
really talk about you know the power of the Holy Spirit and how it works for me. Again, this is my story to you, and I just hope that this. Um, I hope it just helps you connect deep, more deeply or whatever you take from it with the Holy Spirit. But it is, I always, I've been remarking on myself a lot in prayer with Father that about five weeks ago now, we began this process of a, I mean, he put on my heart to talk about a forgiving and loving heart and to lean on him and justice. And we did that for about three, maybe four weeks. I don't have the exact dates, but somewhere in there and work through that topic pretty regularly every night, and then Balenciaga appears. And that's a very visceral topic, um, and I know I've recounted this once already, but there's I'm adding to it tonight. Um, it's a very visceral topic, and it child emotion, the child sacrifice, the child abuse, child rape, child anything provokes an extreme visceral response in us. And it's by design because it gets us into a mode of vengeance and it gets us into a mode of harsh retribution. And we easily confuse justice with vengeance. We each equally confuse righteousness with vengeance and other issues. And we also provoke some certain very predictable responses. One is that we get to a place where it's so overwhelming, we turn to Father and just say, you know, take me home, Jesus, take me home, which negates basically our entire role here, which is we are, we, this is our dominion to occupy, expand, and subdue. And then we have the other, another reaction, which is retraction, which is like, you know, I'm going to, I'm locking and loading, and I'm going to protect my my family and my neighborhood, and if you come in it, I'm going to lay, lay waste to you. And then we have a third, typically, these are just generally three, a third reaction that is, let's, let's just move on and let's get everybody together. Let's not cause divisiveness. Let's all come together. Let's pray and listen to music and sing him, and it's all good. And within that, we miss a very critical piece, which is, for us to be in tight with kingdom and kingdom authority and next to the throne of father, we have to have a forgiving and loving heart. That's not a negotiable point. That's a foundational principle. And then with that, we have to lean on him for justice. And the other problem we have here is that in this world, there is no justice right now. None. We're, we're in a, this is an abortion of a justice system. And that word is, that word is used intentionally. So we are um, in a place right now where we're having to be prepared, in my opinion, and I, I think this will become clear why I'm saying this. We have to become prepared for resetting a justice system that establishes itself in the architecture of how God built this world and even how our founding fathers built this nation which is at the top is God's moral law. That is a non-negotiable set of rules and laws. And then under that is civil law. And civil law is a variety of forms in which we take to govern ourselves, broadly speaking. But civil law can never be in contradiction to moral law. And then in biblical terms below that, we have ceremonial law, which I'm not going to dig into too much. But it's interesting how the fights and disputes about this 
people start arguing about what's right or wrong in ceremonial law. They'll start talking about what's right or wrong within civil law. But the point is that civil law cannot be in contradictions to moral law. So as we are finding ourselves in trying to obey civil law and we're not putting moral law first, we're actually giving up our power through our own free will to the enemy. That's at the center point of justice as we move forward here. And it's very critical that we get very clear in our heart of forgiving and loving. That does not relinquish accountability or justice. And I know I've said this a lot of times, but I'm just kind of repounding that theme home. So as I've told the story after already in previous shows, following that week of Balenciaga, I came to Father God and I'm like, Lord, I'm, I'm at a loss here because you're asking me to speak a story that is visceral with children and we're talking loving and peaceful heart and it just it, it's not resonating well with me. It doesn't sell well. And then we get into, you know, just the principles. If you want me to speak a message of enduring this period of time, I'll do that as well. I'm going to do your bidding, but that itself seems contradictory to scripture. And that's as I've shared before where God has come to me came to me and he said, You're not ready. And then that unfolding of that message as it came in was, you're not ready. You're fighting an enemy that's older and greater than anything you can imagine. You must master at this stage the principles of a forgiving and loving heart to have access to kingdom. And you must trust in me to deliver justice. Then the question that I had to confront was, who is your enemy? And I couldn't put my finger on it literally. And that's where you the word was, you need to build the map. So that's led to a lot of other things, which we've talked briefly about. I'll be talking a lot more in the coming weeks about a network of, you know, where I'm kind of led to, we're going to push a network of local podcasting stations, build local intelligence cells, all this stuff. But that's off the topic of where I want to be tonight. Those are very profound moments though. And I, I, I want to, as we head into more of this. I had a good talk over the weekend with a very close friend of mine, um, had been a sniper in special forces Delta. And, um, what we were talking about, and he was talking to me about his honesty and just sharing some of the places he was at with looking at his past actions and reconciling that with where he is today as he walks very deeply with Jesus. He's a wonderful lover of Christ. And part of this discussion, we got into this exact thing of forgiving, forgiving heart and loving heart and justice. And then I shared with him the principle of the map and of building the map. And the reason I bring this up is one of the things that distinguishes, I don't know that everybody totally has a glimpse of how sophisticated and refined the process is when you get to a unit like Special, it's Soft D, Special Operations Force Delta, And I want to share this with you because it starts to frame the principles in a very um, physical and real terms of how precise, essentially for me, kingdom justice represents. So in, and this is not to glorify the sniping of people. That's not my point, but I want you to understand a process behind it. 
Special Operations Force Delta is unique in the fact that it spends, it'll focus on an individual and as a kill capture. And there will be an enormous amount of training around that, including intelligence gathering of where the compound is, where the individual is, what is what surrounds him in terms of security forces, additional issues like typically very often human shields, entry points of how you get to a location. All of this is geared towards minimizing to near zero any sort of collateral damage that could occur so that you focus primarily and are successful at capturing or killing the primary target. And those around that circle of like the guard around them, they would be considered targets as an example. And that, so if you can imagine like having a 20 person bodyguard and they need to capture the head guy, the 20 person bodyguard would probably be eliminated and the head guy would have to be captured alive as an example. There is an incomplete targeting map that's built around this. Very precise. Entry points, exit points, alternate routes. There is a mapping of the entire compounds in which they're in. Everything is looked at and assessed. And so when a team then goes into this, they are given a very precise map to know exactly where they're going into, what they're getting, and how they're getting out. They aren't there to engage in a massive ground battle to where it's just indiscriminate fighting and shooting whoever comes at you. This is precision. I'm using that as, a, as an extension of the metaphor which God put on my heart, which is you need to build the map. So when we start looking at justice in this world, justice has to be precise, and it has to be in appropriation to what crime is. We don't have it. We don't have this. So as an example, if you take somebody who is a community member that was pushing the shot on kids and you take, and they're at a, one of those stands, they were standing up for COVID shots and they're like, Hey, come, come to us and we'll give you a shot. Their responsibility and accountability in that action is not going to be equal to a surgeon or a doctor that you go to that literally tells you, you need to take the shot because their influence is so much more. So that's one aspect. We also need to know exactly who the players were and what that chain of systems is if you're going to deliver justice. So that brings me to what happened Friday night. Because Friday night, as I've gone through this, and I'm fairly comfortable in this space now, working in this process of talking about and living through as God has asked me to do this place of Literally, a forgiving heart and a loving heart. And along the way on this journey, I've had an opportunity of working with somebody in prayer and helping them get unhooked from some really dark influences and getting them reconnected with Jesus. So this has been a really interesting week leading up to Friday. I've, I've just truly had the experience of the Holy Spirit just working through me to help someone else literally reconnect with Jesus in a profound way that, is, that just left me moved and even just speechless as to the magnitude of what that healing could be and just had to do with a trauma, trauma in their life that they were able to overcome and in a matter of a few days, literally be reconnected 
with something that God gave them that was so precious. And it was beautiful to witness and beautiful to watch their willingness and reception of that gift. So that leads us to Friday night. And I've, I'm coming in pretty strong on that. And I come across a video. And it's done by Epic Times. So I'm saying that because this is not just some random garbage. This was a research piece that was done, well filmed. And the video was this. It was a positive story they were talking about. But it was had such a dark back end to it. And what they had filmed was an elderly couple. I may have put this up in the in Bards of Him Telegram family room. I can't remember, but nonetheless. So this couple are both in wheelchairs. They are both in a nursing home, and they've been in some form of cognitive decline. And as the story apparently is unfolding, they don't appear to have much extended family. So that's kind of the context I've been able to loosely pull out of the story. But here's the story. They were 71 years in marriage. 71 years. And the rules of this uh, retirement system, because of COVID, separated these two people for one year. Separated them. When they came together, the emotions that were there present in that film still chokes me up. And I mean seriously chokes me up. Because you watch the wife just trembling in so much awe that she's able to once again see her husband. And he's wearing a mask, and she finally gets him to pull it down so she can see his face. And she's crying, and she's just saying, God, God, thank you, God, thank you. Man, I mean, it still gets me. And I was launched instantly in such a level of rage of the level of criminality and crimes against humanity that that act represented to separate those two people that took a covenant with God that stayed married for 71 years and an institution separated them for a year from each other because of the rules of COVID. I, I was enraged. I mean, literally, if I if I'm just saying like my emotions at that point, I was ready to literally like grab a sword and go up and start chopping on people for the for the crimes that they had done. Now here again, who's your enemy? I don't know. But that was the feelings I had. And I just I immediately went to my knees in prayer. And I was like, Father, you've walked me through this for now almost six weeks. We've talked about it here on Bards FM. We've worked through different discussions on this. I thought I was here. And now I see this. And I literally, my emotions are literally just pouring out of me. I'm ready to just start laying waste. And I don't even know who my enemy is, but that's where I'm at. And I'm like, forgive me, Father. But this is who I am. And it was it, the most amazing thing was the response that I had from Father God. Because at the same time, I'm also saying to him, I'm like, and yet, Father, you gave me 
such an amazing gift this week of being part of someone else's deliverance. Through prayer and the accepting of Jesus, I witnessed the power of the healing of the Holy Spirit. And as they accepted, as they were already walking with Christ, but as they reaffirmed their love in Christ, I saw a burden lift off of them that was unimaginable that it could be gone so quickly, and it was done. And they were freed. And here I am now on my knees before you, absolutely enraged over what I consider to be a crime beyond measure. I just don't know where to go. And the amazing part was the response that I got with Father. And he was just, it was just like, you're okay. You're okay. It's okay to be here. Just don't go to sleep with the anger on your heart, very much as Paul said. So that was a kind of a long night. And working through this, but realizing a couple of things as I have worked through this over the weekend. And it again goes back to the principal issues of what Father said two weeks prior. You're not ready. Those words resonate again. And the point is that in this process, I believe that what's come of this weekend and what I believe I have been shown is that we are all being taken on a bit of a walk right now, a probing, if you will, of the wire, to use a, a war term. Meaning that we're, we're getting a glimpse of what's coming and we're feeling the emotions and reactions hit us. And we're understanding that there has to be a justice in this. We're not trying to turn our eyes away from it. We're not trying to just throw it off to God and say, take me home. We're trying to face this. And we're trying to do this within the balance of a loving and forgiving heart, which is counterintuitive to the way this world works. And as we struggle with this, there is a reaction that we will have often. I mean, we obviously we're getting hit with emotional reactions. And as we have the emotional reactions, then it's very easy to default to the guilt reaction. I shouldn't be feeling this way. So that's the first thing. And what was amazing is father's response, which is you're okay. You're okay. And then to work through that process, to go back to those words, you're not ready. Just truly, we are dealing with a visceral and hateful enemy that understands how to stab us in the heart and lose focus on the trust that God will deliver. And delivering is a twofold issue because there has to be justice in this world and there has to be justice and will be justice in heaven. That's not a discussion point. That has to be on both ends. There is also a restorative piece in the justice of heaven that we don't tend to have a good foundation on in this world. Our justice, because it is so broken, because it is so lost and upside down, is literally everything now is about vengeance. It's a rebuking type justice. You've done to me, I'm going to do twice to you sort of thing. 
So we are literally being exposed to a very important phase, I believe, and I think that where we're at right now is extremely important. And we need to be looking at these things and dealing with our hearts honestly with God because these are points right now that are tempering us for a greater role that is to come. And I'm speaking truthfully my heart to you of how I understand what's been shown to me and what I've walked through. Again, as I always say, take it to prayer. When, it's, when a society has been pivoted away from a relationship in faith and a love in Jesus and a respect and understanding of what Jesus was here doing, and by extension, the relationship with Father God, visceral experiences like this can quickly generate emotional reactions and which can be enormously violent or even just emotionally destructive. We are a remnant by virtue of those that are pursuing this very hard path of the narrow gate. And it's a pursuit of love. It's not to elevate us up above anybody. And I want to be very clear about that because I think it's very easy to just take that and go, oh, yo, dude, I'm on the I'm on the narrow path. You all are down there on the wide gate path. Good luck. See ya. That's not it. This is very much a walk as we're doing in preparation to be of greater impact into the world. And the walk that we're making is truly one that is going to and must wield the power and responsibility of the sword of the spirit, which is by extension kingdom authority. So the tempering of this heart that we're facing is for us to be able to impact these moments. And I would say that that moment, the only place I sought to turn was to turn to Father in that moment. My feelings are one thing, but in working through him, I have to work through him, trust in him to untangle that mess of emotional blow. We're in a very broken society right now, very broken. We've gone through several generations of children neglect, parents more and more having their children raised and babysitted by public schools and digital appliances as their kind of primary interface with not a whole lot of actual family time. And then we have with this as well, the other end of the spectrum, which has been the institutionalizing of the outsourcing of our parent care. And it's become common and accepted so in the middle of that, we also have the broken family, which is actually quite profound when you think about a society where the majority of children these days are growing up in a single parent household. And then you add the layer of having no relationship with God. So as we walk very closely with God, and as we're seeking that true relationship with Jesus, the reactions that we're having are truly normal. How we learn to temper those is going to be taught through the wisdom that God gives us. And each one will have, each person will have a certain measure of their own relationship with God in that process. But our responsibility is getting greater. 
where much is given, much is asked. And that responsibility is truly, as we're digging in harder and deeper in this narrow gate, this is not a path anywhere along the way that says it will be easier next step. In fact, arguably, it will get more difficult by exponential degrees the farther we go here. And our need to be able to lean into Father, our need to be able to literally dig deeper into the body of Christ, our need to be able to know that intimate relationship, to keep ourselves out of the pits and and, in trenches of vengeance, of fear, of anxiety, of hatred, is going to have to get, we're going to literally have to dig in deeper to avoid those pitfalls is the point. And we are in a trial period right now where, in my opinion, these things are coming out, affecting a minimal amount of awakening in some and hopefully truly provoking more visceral and emotional feelings in us so that we learn how to work through them. For myself, this is just me talking here, the issues of children enrage me, the the what is done and I mean I say that just on a personal level that is a something that will I have said this recently that I will not sacrifice myself for a vote or for this government ever again I will not put my life on the line for the either one because it's such a corrupt and abysmal pit hole but when you talk about children and elderly that is a fight worthy of any sacrifice what emotionally gets to me probably at least what I until I was aware of it this last weekend, what my reaction to the elderly situation was, was a deeper one than I expected. Because the story itself missed the point. As people were supposed to be reacting to the joy of them reuniting, we washed away and didn't and just ignored the most important part of that story which is it's become normalized to actually separate two people that they love from one another, but we're supposed to celebrate the fact that the system brings them back together. This is what I call the mainstreaming of elderly abuse. And it has become a normal part of our society to such a magnitude that we're not looking at it with the same lens of intensity as children. When you start to unravel the child sex trafficking thing, that's horrific. But when we start to unravel the depths of the elderly criminality, it's equally as bad because it doesn't, doesn't look graphically as bad. But this has been a designed system to literally strip away the wealth and to cast off this responsibility of the of what would have been the extended family to normalize that to such a degree that people actually plan and look forward to being participant participant in this process of just quietly going away and dying the wisdom class which we need as much as we need the youth has been quietly pushed aside and accepted that they will simply go away and die, and I might see mom and dad a couple times in the retirement home, but they're going to be happy dying at someone else's care. And we come up with all sorts of excuses. We, you know, and I, I've told you, my own commitment to my parents was never to let that happen. 
All right. So I'm say this not in any way to try to say, look what I'm doing, but I'm trying to make a point that I am walking what I'm talking because I'm not in any way setting this up to be look there and I'm not going to have to do the same because I completely am embraced with the idea that all of us should be involved where possible with the care of our elderly what I call the wisdom class. But here's the additional layer of problems on this. We're in a society now where the broken family, the deconstructed nuclear family, sometimes doesn't even have the capacity to do that. And additionally with that, some of the elderly don't even have family that is willing or able to do that. So we're in a really broken system. And that means that to get from where we are, where we have children growing up without fathers, children growing up in broken families that don't even understand the concept of an extended family, let alone taking care of their grandparents or their parents, I'm sorry, when they get older. And then we have parents that have grown up in a situation where they're trying to manage just getting the kids to a certain point. They don't even have the resources, capacity, and maybe even not a knowledge themselves of what it is to take care of their parents. We've lost the entire framework of a biblical life. And the question is, how do we go from where we are to where we need to be in terms of that walk with Father? The only way we're going to get there is to take a step back and realize that this remnant, let let me restart that sentence because I want to be clear because that was a pretty bold statement. I'm sure there are many ways to get there. The only pathway currently that I see, I'll say it this way, to get there to where we literally are able to restore that framework of the true loving extended family to where we are nurturing children and the children are then nurturing their parents to the end as we do both. It's the arc of life. The only way through that is the wisdom that can come from Father God. That's it. That's in my opinion. Now, you may have another idea, and that's great if you do, but I don't see any way through this easily because this is a broken, fractured system by design. And the reason I bring that up is the visceral response that we have with children and the visceral response I hope we have with our elderly doesn't have a direct criminal or justice crime to point its finger at yet because to so much of the degree, we are all part of the problem. It doesn't relinquish accountability. It doesn't dismiss justice in these crimes. But there's been a dehumanizing of the entire process of the family that has to be restored. So I say all that because the place that we're going is an unbelievable level of reset. And the only way we are going to be able to sort through the path ahead is to lift off of our hearts the emotional response to things, or at least filter through it quickly, through the grace and love and wisdom that Christ gives us and through Christ to the Father, and to be able to have a very clear understanding of how Father sees justice, because it's not going to look like what we think. That doesn't, you know, and I just so I dispel this, it doesn't say like, well, what about Fochi or what about the, I, look, that's so far, far off the food chain, whatever. Well, that's a, we're talking in the locality of what we're dealing with, children to parents, parents to parents, parents to grandparents. And that 
locality, which affects every one of our lives, is something that we're going to have to work through and grow into in a much greater way than perhaps we ever thought we needed to or would want to. Sometimes we are going to have to carry a mantle or, a, or we'll be in the possession of a key, so to speak, that will unlock the burdens of others and or lead others to Jesus, even if we're not completely comfortable with having to work there or having to walk in that place of forgiveness that would, it would demand. So I say all this just to frame a lot of things that are coming at us. I say all this to give a context of where my prayers and walk with Jesus has been the last week, and in particular this last weekend, and the, the revelations that I've been shown and are leading, being led to, to try to step into a role that, or a place, I should say, that sometimes I'm not even comfortable with. But what I am doing is trusting in God to step there. And what I am doing is accepting that there is a different role in the form of justice. It's a justice that is decisive. It's a justice that's clean. It's a justice that does not allow anything to escape. It's a justice that demands accountability. And it's a justice that can, does not originate from any of the dark emotions of fear, anger, hatred, vengeance, but is rested on the purity of kingdom and the way God sees the world. And the only way I can access that, as I think we are being called to do, is to have a forgiving and loving heart. Let's pray. Father, we come to you tonight just with a very, again, a very interesting and challenging walk. And it's always that walk of balancing our emotions to events in this world with the role of walking with kingdom authority and truly walking within the body of Christ. And those roles are challenging. They are. There's a lot of things that flow through us, especially when we witness and become aware of the level of depravity, moral bankruptcy, and just pure evil that truly lives, lives around us. Father, we just pray tonight for everyone that's listening. We, a prayer is just very honest. It's a prayer of just the wisdom that you can provide. That for each as they seek to you to be provided with the wisdom to understand the next steps in this process as we walk into a world that's truly in collapse, a world that's in turbulence, a world that has inverted so much of what the foundations of a love in Jesus would mean. And as we step into this, realizing that we are in a walk where we also have a responsibility to lead others to Christ in a moment where there is so much horrific things being revealed. We just pray that you can guide us with your wisdom, your love, the compassion, as we work through a growth in ourselves that may at times be greater than we realize we're capable of. Forgive us for our caution at times, Father, or even our deviation from this path, but also hear our hearts that we're there to seek and to learn, and we're listening closely to your wisdom. And so we just pray that we can continue to be led in the, each step to learn as we must and to hear as we can the lessons necessary to step us into the bigger roles 
that will lead us ultimately to bringing this nation back to you on the throne. And we say these things in Christ Jesus' name. Amen. So, Patriots, it's, um, it's been an interesting week. One I'm continuing to process and reflect on and one that continues to unfold with the amazing powers of the love in Jesus, the healing of what can happen, and the challenges that we still have to face. You know, when we're dealing with these issues of children or even elderly, they are the innocent. And we have to, we should have righteous indignation for anything that violates that innocence because we truly must be the protectors. And so it's a delicate walk to be able to manage the righteous indignation and not trip into the darkness of vengeance or hatred. And the only way we balance that ultimately is to be walking truly in the body of, of Christ and our relationship with Father God because these are this is truly now, for me, the beginning of the narrow path. We've been getting prepped for this, and I think that what's ahead is going to be the most challenging walk we've made, and in the end, it will be the most glorious we've ever walked. So keep your head up and your eyes forward. Never bow to evil. Never relent. Always press into the fight. God is with us. He'll never forsake us, and in the end, God always wins. But we are here in this time, in this place, for just such a time as this. We are at war. So walk boldly and fearlessly with Christ. Occupy the land. Expand the kingdom. Subdue the enemy. Mission forward. Patriots, I'll see you tomorrow for Bended Knee. Until then or until the next time, God bless. Good night. Thank you. And out for now.
Chasing mountains I can't climb Holding out for heroes in the night I find myself here in the dark We learn to fight and learn who we are But I am raised up to face the stars Full of light And we are Makes you shiver and I chase the winter out of my mind like the dark in the distance. Wild. We are wild. standing at the edge of a great sea. Sometimes it takes all you got to 